You're listening to Hello Francis, a podcast for curious creatives and nano entrepreneurs who seek knowledge, purpose, and community. Hello Francis is brought to you by the creative firm and solutionist agency, Francis Roy. Our lineup of guests, friends, and mentors candidly share their diverse wisdom and experience. We do all of this in less than 30 minutes. Let's get started. Hello, you're listening to Hello Francis. I'm your host, Chantel Dedeke, with the Francis Roy Agency in Niceville, Florida. We're so excited about this series uh, that we're doing. This is the last one, which I'm kind of sad, but uh, we saved the best for last um, on Enneagrams in the workplace and really just Enneagram types in general. And I'm so excited that we have Kaylee Halbick with us today. Hey, Kaylee. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you today? Hanging in there. It's rainy today, but that means I get to get a lot done. So I know the weather here is a little bit crazy. Am I pronouncing your last name right? I'm very. It's Lavach. What? But it's weird. So it's fine. What in the world? <laughs> <laughs> I have to put the H on the end. It's okay. Okay. So maybe I don't know what's wrong with me. That's I okay. maybe have a totally different last name for you. That's insane. As okay. Um, Nobody ever says it right. Oh my gosh. Well, I can relate to that. You will not believe the pronunciations of my, you will believe the pronunciations <laughs> of my last name, I'm sure. <laughs> so Kaylee, you are in all kinds of things. I see you everywhere. And you also come to our virtual coffee chats as well. And we've done a, like, just kind of been in some of these fun, more fun little circles, but you run and operate and own, I believe the to do and destined.com site. Is that right? I do. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then you have your own podcast. I don't know. Tell us all about you. And then I kind of want to read your more about me on your website because it was honestly, I love it so much. <laughs> I hope it's accurate. I don't remember which, which one you're reading. But yeah, so I started my journey in video production. I um, have been shooting weddings for almost 15 years, which led to some corporate work, social media content, things like that. And then that spurred me into doing social media for other people. They were watching what I was doing and I kept getting phone calls saying, how about you just take over mine? And then it snowballed. And so I do a lot of social media management for businesses, which then I developed to do in Destin because I really needed a platform and an account, something that could showcase everything to offer in the, in our city. I felt like, you know, we were seeing the beautiful beaches every day, but we have so much more to offer than that. And I needed a, I wanted a platform where I could share my client's content to get it the reach further. So that's kind of the brains behind that and why it got started. And then I do also have a podcast called Spicy Margaritas that I co-host Love with it. my friend Brittany. Um, it's like a happy hour entertainment based. We've interviewed some B-list reality TV show celebrities, producers, actors, actresses, things like that. Um, musicians kind of talk about life off the camera. So it's a lot of fun. That's really a lot of fun. And I am familiar with always seeing you in these creative spaces, but I love this about you, like you're this little more about me build out on your website. And it's like, I'm addicted to sugar. You don't like mm-hmm. salt and pepper on anything you eat. I don't know, girl. I feel like that's a whole nother conversation we need to unpack because I don't, I don't use seasoning on any of my food. I just don't, I never have. I don't use salt and pepper especially, but I don't even use like like meat seasoning or chicken. I mean, I just eat it. I just eat it how it is. It's fine. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. okay I'm, 
I'm going to get through that. And then <laughs> you have a major uh, shoe obsession. I do. Uh, you're a true country girl at heart, which I think mm -hmm. is awesome. And uh, you love to travel anywhere, anytime. You always have great travel tips for everyone, which I love. Anyone who knows you knows that you're addicted to social media. I knew that about mm -hmm. you before, probably. And you have a really great TikTok following also, which <laughs> <laughs> you're one of the few people that I know that isn't uh, 15 or 16 that has a really healthy TikTok <laughs> following. And then uh, you've been golfing since you were the age of five. That's cool. I have. Yeah. My dad and my grandpa used to always take me and then um, I golfed all through high school. Could have gone to college if I had wanted to pursue it, but I, it's just not a sport that I wanted to continue, but it mm -hmm. is funny now being an adult or even in like the years after college when I joined the chamber and they would do these golf outings and I would join a team and then people would see like, oh my gosh, like you actually know how to golf. Like you, you're really good. And I'm like, to me, it's like, I've been doing it for so long. It's like riding a bike. Like if I don't golf for a year or two, I like, I just went out with my dad and shot a 42. So like six wow. over par or whatever, like, yeah, but I haven't golfed in you know, two years. So it's funny, but yeah, it's one of my hidden talents. <laughs> that's crazy. So do you want to know that we have that in common? I golf through high school as well. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So now we have to golf. We have to. And oh my I, gosh. yeah, I mean, I have clubs here and everything and I just don't, I forget and I get so busy with work and, but we need to make it like a, we should do like a nightly or a weekly girls night out or something and go golf. I would love that. I feel like you and I could team up and sweep some competitions. Probably yeah. that would be hilarious. And we would be the most unassuming pair. <laughs> we could hustle everybody. We could be like, you want to put money on this game? <laughs> They'd be like, I don't know, Kaylee and Chantel or, or that would be awesome. I freaking love that. And just to follow up here, you don't think of this as your work. You think of it as your passion, which you just kind of exude that, um, in my opinion, in the short time that I've known you. So I'm so excited. You're a type nine, an Enneagram type nine. And for though, for everyone that has been listening up into this point and just going through this series with us and has the FRA booklet on Enneagram in the workplace, you will, you know, get to the section on type nine and the Enneagram type nine is the peacemaker, but also known as the easygoing and the harmonious for what I personally know about you, I think the harmonious seems like the most, you just have kind of this like mystical quality about you. Everybody seems to really love you. So of those three terms, what do you identify with the most? The, the harmonious and the peacemaker have always kind of been a staple in my life, except I didn't understand that about me until reading this book, which is why we're learning more about it, which is why I'm so obsessed with the Enneagram. Um, I've always felt these things my whole life and didn't really connect all the dots until you started learning about the numbers and I started reading further into it. And it was just like mind blowing to me that my whole life was in this chapter of this book and the way that they like can relate it to everybody and how I always got along with people. If friend A and B didn't like each other, I still was friends with both of them. Like it just, you know, I have this way of relating to anybody that I meet. That's so fantastic. And I, I think the perception of the word peacemaker is that it's someone that is just kind of going to go with the flow necessarily. But 
I've experienced in our, you know, communicating with you and just like seeing the way that you interact on the coffee chat and everything, you have your convictions, you have your values, you stand up for them. You are not that you enjoy conflict, but it's not like, you know, peacemakers are doormats, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, and I really experienced that a lot just in the short time that you and I have interacted, which I think is cool. Well, and it's, it's, interesting i'm actually the nine wing eight which is the least common Mm. of the entire enneagram and i think mostly because the nine and the eight are opposite in a lot of ways so it's funny that you can encompass both of those traits in one person but i've just found that like that peacemaker passiveness is say 80 percent of my world but that 20 percent that's the eight are things i'm passionate about and that's where i will stand up and where I'm not afraid of conflict, where I will actually voice my opinion. I know things matter. I'm going to stand up and not let you, you know, just walk all over me. So that's that, that's that interesting dynamic to have kind of the opposites inside of you, but understanding when they start to come out. That was important for me too. My God, I relate to that so hard because I'm in eight wing nine. Oh, yep. <laughs> that's cool. So do you, do you want to be best friends forever? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and what's funny is I have so many friends that are eights, like all of my good closest friends are all eights. And it's like between the two of them, between the two of us, they're the ones standing up for me most of the time. And I'm just like, it's okay. Like, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, no, because if I, when I really get to the point where I'm pushed, don't worry, I'm going to take care of myself. Yes, I I love what you said about, you know, like 80% you're in peace and then 20% is really like, and I'm the opposite just, you know, 80% of the time I'm just like challenging and pushing. And then the 20% I'm in peace, but that's really kind of where I see the most growth, which is when I'm at peace, which is nice. Yeah. So interesting. Who knew we have so much in common. I love that. Okay. So in, in this book, the road back to you, which I'm reading right now, you're reading right now as Mm -hmm. well. Um, and I know a lot of our listeners have been following along with also is this section in the beginning of each type is what it's like to be type whatever, right? So yep. what it's like to be a nine. And I just want to read a couple of these off and then you let me know if you resonate or don't, but what it's like being a nine, being outdoors is very soothing for me. So what's funny is that's probably the one piece of a nine that I don't relate to because I've never been a big outdoors fan. Mm. And I, it's not that I don't enjoy it, but I don't find the peace in it that I think that they're saying that nines do. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. And I wouldn't have guessed that because I see you fishing all the time. But honestly, now that you say that, every time I see you outside in, this, in like a social media perspective, you're working. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It's, it's, there's an activity that accompanies it, but I've never been a hiker or mm. if I'm walking. It's for the sole purpose of exercise, not just to get outside and get fresh air. You know what I'm saying? Like there's always an activity accompanying why I'm out there. Interesting. Okay. So this next one is others see me as more peaceful than I really am. Um, yes, because I tend to keep a lot of the conflict, quote unquote conflict hidden inside of me because I, some could say pick my battles, but I think a lot of people don't realize if I'm at conflict, like I could hide it for a very long time before they actually figure it out. So yes. Interesting. Well, in our booklet here, so we've broken down a couple of things. So Enneagram uh, nines at their best are indomitable and all embracing. They're able to bring people together and heal conflicts. Mm -hmm. To me, that is someone that you want to have on your team as a friend, you know, as a life partner, like that is just 
so interesting. Uh, usually creative, optimistic, and supportive, and um, are willing to go along and just kind of do what others want to do to keep that harmony and balance. Do you feel like that's a pretty good definition? Yes, I think that's spot on. And then knowing that you're the nine wing eight, uh, which is the advisor, you specifically tend to share traits with the eighth as well. So you're very social and independent and um, are more assertive and adventurous than the other, than the other nines. I didn't realize that the a nine wing eight was the most rare of all of the Enneagram types. Yeah. And I can't, it wasn't in this book that I read it on. It was a different research tool that I was using because, and it stuck with me because I remember being like, oh, great. So I'm also like one of the very, very few because I, my whole life I've felt like I saw the world differently. Like I, Mm -hmm. things were happening to me and my experiences were different and I felt like nobody could relate to them. Um, I did a thing called a mind scan years ago with a business coach. And that was my first, like, I want to say my first step into the Enneagram. That's not what she called it. And it's not the verbiage she used, but it helped me in the same way, kind of understand how I thought about things and had the very same reaction as I have had when I figured out I was a nine. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was just, it's yeah. So then I'm like, cool. So now I'm, you know, the least common of the Enneagram. So it's like, I'm just rare across the board, I guess. (laughs) Well, when we were like, okay, we need to interview a nine. I mean, we were all like, Kaylee. That's it. <laughs> sometimes I accidentally call it Callie, which is my problem. And <laughs> it's okay. Fix, but it happens too. Um, yeah. Well, and everyone pronounces my first name and last name wrong. So I try to work really hard to get other people's correct. But, but yeah, we were like, no, cause we, you know, very aware that you also are a little bit obsessed with the Enneagram, but mm-hmm. the Enneagram's having a moment right now. I mean, I feel like there are new Instagram accounts every day. Same that, yeah, they're just like popping up. I follow this one that's like the great eight. And then I follow this other one that's like, don't hate the eights. And (laughs) (laughs) do you follow any great Enneagram accounts that are just nine specific on Instagram? I don't think, I don't think I have any that are just nines because I'm, I'm so fascinated by all of it. And I'm Mm -hmm. always trying to like type my friends. So I'm, I'm following a lot of the ones that cover all the numbers because I'm always trying to learn more about all of them. That's so interesting. So we've got basic fears and basic desires here. So fears and, you know, losing or being separated from others is a basic fear for a nine. Anything that prevents peace, you know, basically dips into conflict. What what do you think are your fears just from a, a nine's perspective and maybe even nine wing eight, which is a little bit more of a deep dive? Um, you know, I was trying it's to... a loaded question. It is a loaded question. I was trying to relate to the, you know, when they say the fear of it's, it's technically being alone, being left by those or being left out or whatever. And I was trying to, I'm trying to dig past that a little bit and understand why that matters so much because I've always just made new friends or had new relationships. And so it's never, I've never felt like it was an end, an end game, you know, when they leave. Nice. So I was trying to understand kind of why, where that fear comes from. And I'm not, I'm not there yet of understanding it, but I definitely think that fear is what causes a lot of nines to hold that conflict in. Like when I say pick my battles, it's like, I could argue about 10 things, but I'm like, ah, those aren't really all that important. Like they might be important, but I'm not seeing that. And I'm, I'm scared of the fight in the conversation and then what the outcome of that would be. And that could be 
a client, you know, if you messed up and you have to go to a client and tell them something like have a fear of them firing me or leaving, you know, and like the only time it doesn't really come into play is my parents because I don't feel like that relationship is ever in jeopardy, but it definitely comes into play like in all the other relationships in my life. Wow. You know, that's so interesting. And I love the way, like at the very beginning there where you're talking about, you know, you're diving in, you're trying to understand. I, that's what's so important. Like it can seem like the Enneagram is just like this trendy thing. People are just trying to self-validate. So they're trying to assess, but in true assessment, you're learning. And then you're saying, okay, now I'm just trying to understand why I'm doing this. I'm trying to understand how can I utilize this, what I know and activate some resources and maybe even find some tools so that I can improve as a human being. And everyone that I know that is not necessarily woke when it comes to the Enneagram, but you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. They, they're not just like, oh yeah, I'm a this, but it's more like, okay, now I have self-assessed here. I want to move that to the next step and Mm -hmm. just try to figure out how to be a better version of myself. And that's why that book has been so important. You know, and I've read my chapter multiple times trying to rethink some of the situations that he brings up and dig a little bit deeper because I think we have to truly understand why we feel that way and what's triggering that is the only way to grow and move forward. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, not being so defined by the Enneagram type as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that there are subtypes and there are all these things going on and yes, like, you know, you may know another nine wing eight as a completely different human being than you. And that there are reasons for that, you know, but at the core, you have these things that motivate you, the things that stress you, you know, what are your strengths and weaknesses? And a lot of those are going to be similar. Right. And I'm also fascinated thinking about, you know, how our childhood shapes. Mm. I know that I, I believe that we've always been this number, but I'm, I'm fascinated by, how our experiences as a child and growing up played into the strengths or the weaknesses of your number. And I think that's how like some people or some people have different fears as a nine, you know, like it's just different. Like you said, I could have, we could both be nine wing eights and be different people. And so I've been doing a lot of like reflecting on childhood and growing up and how that plays into how I am now through my number. Do you know what's so crazy that you say that this, this blue, my freaking mind. So my mentor right now is an eight wing nine as well. Mm. And her son is a four wing five. My daughter is a four wing five and both of our mothers are sixes. Oh, that's, and I was, I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> that's crazy though. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it just makes you think like, once I, okay, this is, I can say you can go too far in the research on the Enneagram. Like if you start to research, like how people can manipulate you using your Enneagram, that's like the deep dark web. Like don't do that to yourself. <laughs> but <laughs> there is, I came across this really great article that was like, you know, eights as a child, fours, as, you know, all the different types yeah. as a child, like the type of childhood you had to have in order to become the, the type that you are. And not only was that very enlightening for me, but it was enlightening for me to see how my kids are the way they are. Oh, I could. Yes. I didn't even think about that. And it honestly, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. And my daughter, she's a four wing five and um, my son is a five wing four. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. And my husband and I, my husband is a one wing nine and I'm an eight wing nine. And I tell you what, if you line all that shit up together, you're like, <laughs> bing, it's like a light bulb in your brain. Yep. Oh, wow. It's yeah. just the craziest thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I think back, so being a nine and the whole avoiding conflict thing, like mm-hmm. I was always the rule follower. I never got in trouble. I did whatever my parents told me to do. So it, it's like, it started immediately from like, I'm avoiding conflict because I know if I'm good and I follow the rules, I won't have any, you know? And it's so funny just yeah. to like my sister, um, I'm pretty sure is a five wing six. Um, but, and so she's so different than me because she's such an investigator and, you know, always researching and doing all that stuff. But I'm, and I'm pretty sure my dad's a nine. I haven't made them take the test yet, but I'm easing them into it. (laughs) (laughs) My mom took the test. My mom is a six. And then I think my dad is a seven. Oh, I don't don't know many men that are sevens. Yeah. Well, uh, Jonathan Jernigan is a seven. Oh, Okay. Yeah, he's a seven wing six. And so I thought that was interesting too. But when you dive in, like you're saying, into the childhood stuff, it just is a totally new world to try to unpack that and learn it. And then you, you know, you do what I, I try to keep from doing this, but you like guess what you think other people are. But in reality, they probably need to take the test and then we'll go from there. But <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I do that a lot. You're always, <laughs> my, somebody will do something. You're like, that person must be a blah, 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 you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's so interesting. I feel like we could have an entire podcast on Enneagrams in their childhood. And then we would have to tell like all of our parents, please don't listen to this. Yes. Ever. Yeah. I think my mom gets tired of hearing me say, well, I'm a nine. And that means and she's like, just stop. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, good for you. So some of the motivations, some of the things that motivate nines, is like bringing groups of people together, feeling safe and accepted, uh, resolving tensions for other people. Do you feel like that's pretty accurate? I mean, for nines um, or you? Yeah, I think, I think for me, that falls in the realm of when I have close friends who are having conflicts with, you know, relationships or friendships or family, I'm always that person that they want to talk to. And mostly because I listen and I don't judge and I'm just like here to be the ear. And then after mm-hmm. they're done talking, they, the thing that they always tell me is, you know, you you always have a different perspective on it than I, that I had never even seen. Like you always provide me with another viewpoint that never crossed my mind. And then they can take that and think on it. And then it's like, that helps them resolve that conflict because it's, it's getting a whole nother, technically a whole nother opinion on it, but I'm able to, I guess, articulate it in a way that helps them. And so that's something Mm. that I've kind of like figured out over the last few years. Cause I, I had heard that so many times and I wasn't really sure you know, why people would say that to me, but not to someone else. And so it's making more sense now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, well, Janae in our office, uh, our art director, she is a nine wing one. And she also has that kind of like, you know, she'll often bring something to the table. You're like, I didn't even think of it in that mm-hmm. way. You know, it's just, but very uh, different. The That one side leading a little bit more structure and rule following than the eight side that's a little bit more disruptive and risk taking. Yeah. So it is nice to have that balance and to have the people that are going to be like, hey, have you thought about doing it this way? You maybe haven't thought of that before. So, so interesting. So weaknesses, I'm using like quotation marks here. 
you know, or stressors, let's do that, stressors. So being stressed by making difficult decisions or being interrupted or ignored, um, unexpressed emotion. What enrages you, Kaylee? Okay, there's not a lot that actually enrages me, but I, I, because I like to keep my inner peace, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I have noticed since figuring this out that just like a, a typical nine, it's not that like, if you say, where do you want to go to dinner? It's not that I don't have my opinion. It's that I would rather whoever I'm going to dinner with pick so they enjoy it more than I do. So like technically, yeah, that's a weakness because I'm, I'm not, I'm always putting other people before me and it leads to, if you're not careful, it leads to everybody else's happiness except your own. And so it's learning that like where I want to eat matters And I'm allowed to say that to someone and say like, no, you know, I really didn't want Mexican. I want Chinese or whatever the case may be. But if you take that small example and apply it over the course of life, that's how nines lose their identity because for their entire life, they've said, sure, whatever you want to do. And in my instance, all of my relationships, my, the guys that I have been with have always said, this, this is such a great relationship. And in my head, I'm like, this is a terrible relationship. Like, <laughs> but it's because I didn't realize I was always going along with everything they wanted to do. Yeah. And I've had to make more of an effort to be aware that that's happening and say like, you know what, I have to stick up for myself this time and I have to pick my decisions and actually say what I want to do so that my happiness matters. You know, that's very eye-opening for me, Kaylee, because I – from a managerial perspective and for someone who's responsible for leading people on my team who are nines, I don't want them to feel like they have to constantly compromise for the greater good. Like I would hate for that type of scenario to be played into a work environment where it's like, Oh yeah, I feel like everything is great. And then that person is like, this is horrible. It is drudgery. So how would I check in with a nine and, you know, be like, are you okay? Like, you know, how do I communicate with a nine in a way to ensure that they're not being drained like that? I think it's important to, um, just like he said in the book, the first way is to give them options. So if you're in a board meeting and you're throwing around ideas and you've picked one, you could always go to them privately afterwards and say, hey, I know that we decided on, you know, plan A. Do you see any problems with this? Or like kind of spin it around and ask them to see all sides of it because it's much easier to speak up when you're asked directly as a one-on-one. So they could say, you know what, plan A, I saw a lot of problems with that. And I think plan B would be better. And here's why, because then you're asking them to give you the all sides encompassing it instead of the one side that most people see, since that's a strong point for us. That's yeah. I, I lost my second point, but I'm sure it'll come to me again, but that's no that's <laughs> one. Cause I think, I think that like we want some, we want options. So if you, if you're brainstorming and you're throwing out a bunch of stuff and in the the chat or in the group, you know, they don't speak up enough. It's probably because they are thinking about something and they're afraid to say it, or they're not sure when to say it. And that may lead them to never say it in that case. So I think getting them one-on-one and just seeing like, Hey, you know, I know we decided this, tell me your thoughts. Do you see any issues with it? That kind of a thing. Wow. That's very helpful, honestly, to me. And what we outline in the the booklet, which everyone has access to, is you know how to resolve conflict with a nine in the workplace, 
how to give feedback to a nine, communicating in general, and then emailing and meeting with uh, a type nine as well, which are really uh, kind of important. How do you feel about the email? So it, you know, do you like short and concise? Do you like long and drawn out? What's, what's your preferred way to communicate? Um, email written communication is by far my preferred, mostly because mm -hmm. I find it so much easier to reread the email four times and make sure I understand it. And then I can craft a response that I feel is very informative and to the point. And I got mm -hmm. out everything I wanted to say. And in the back of my mind, I'm very aware that the person I'm sending it to may never even read the whole thing. They might just skim it. But it's important to me to know that I got all of my information and my opinions or my challenges or whatever it's about that I got everything into that email and I got to read it and think about my words before I hit send. Because I think, you know, another stressor of a nine or a weakness is that we're not very good when we're put on the spot. So mm. if there's any nines listening, if you've ever had a fight with someone and you don't, you don't speak up, but then you walk away and then the rest of the night, you're like, Oh, I should have said that. And I should have said that. And I should have said that. Like, that's normal for us because we need to process the information. We need to sit down. We need to craft our words and craft our replies. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, email is the best because I can take all the time I need to really, you know, express it written. And then I feel like the person has a better understanding instead of coming to me to talk. And then I feel put on the spot and my brain doesn't work and I don't get to say what I really felt, you know? Oh, definitely. And I think encouraging a nine two to be open about what they need and their ideas as well. Like just opening that door and creating an environment where a nines feel safe and they know they can communicate honestly. Yes. Any, any time that, that we struggle to bring something up or say something, it needs to be received with like open arms and a, a very peaceful environment. Otherwise, you know, we'll never speak up again. So if it, you know, they speak up in one board meeting and get shut down quickly, they may never speak up again because they know that they're challenging their inner peace by speaking up and it has mm. to be worth it. So if they're, they're forced to shut down or someone doesn't like their idea, you know, that's when we retreat back into our shell and we're just like, okay, well, I'm just not going to talk again because, you know, I don't want to feel that way. That's so interesting. And it's really how we hope that people utilize the Enneagram in the workplace book mm -hmm. is... Like you have a situation where, you know, you have assessed your entire team. There's like a little section where you can write the name of your team members on the respective types. So you can clearly identify who they are. And then let's say that you have, a, you know, a potential issue or you're going to go into a meeting or whatever. You're just trying to assess your team before you go in. Or let's say you have like conflict that needs to be resolved. You can go to the book and you can say, okay, I'm, I'm about to meet with Kaylee and she's a nine. And I know that she needs me to remain calm and patient and to express myself gently. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get to a resolution much faster that way if I'm just aware. Absolutely. Um, and I think too, that's important on the client side. So if mm -hmm. you're in an office environment where you're each individually working with clients, you know, on whatever projects, and then we're supposed to report back or whatever the case may be. But I think it's good to know that as a nine, two things is like nines are due best under pressure. So if the deadline is tomorrow and the nine hasn't done anything yet, you can bet they'll stay up till 3am and it will get done and it will be done well. So, so that's true. something I've learned about myself. So for coworkers who are always like, on the ball and they're done a week early, they probably hate nines, but we do so much better when it's like, 
oh, the deadline's tomorrow. I have to get it done. So to have a little grace there. And then the other thing that I read, and it could have been in that book, but I don't remember for sure, um, where they had said, you know, in terms of dealing with clients, if, if the client has a conflict and brings a nine, you know, a challenge or a problem, it's the nine needs to know that it's okay to go to another coworker who's stronger, like me to come to you, Chantel, and be like, look, this is the email they sent me. I need help. Like I, cause mm. what nines do is they read the email and they let it sit in their inbox for a week out of sight, out of mind, keeping my peace. And that's not the way that business should be ran. So it's having kind of those, those extra things too, where a nine needs to feel comfortable to say like, can you help me craft this email? Otherwise I'm going to ignore it. And I know that's not the way that we should do this. That's such good advice. Well, and I love this book, The Road Back to You. I think we started reading it at the same time. I started with the, with our triad, the gut triad, and, you know, we're all about the anger, yeah. but in different, in different ways and different respects. And I love this little piece in the very beginning and it isn't like, it isn't specific to a type, but the author said sooner or later, we must distinguish between what we are not and what we are. We must accept the fact that we are not what we would like to be. We must cast off our false exterior self like the cheap and showy garment that it is. And that is this process. And it sounds like you're like on your way to being such an Enneagram guru. Are you aware of that? I feel like next year you're going to have a whole podcast about the Enneagram and there's going to be like some crazy 500,000 follower Instagram page that... Um, it's going to be like how Enneagram's vacation. I don't know. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Because <laughs> I have time for one more project, right? <laughs> right, right. No, you don't. <laughs> I'm just fascinated with this idea that like we grow up and this image that we have of ourselves in our head is never the true image of who we are. And I know that we deal with that. Like if you think of it when you're, when you're dating and those first three or six months, you know, you're your best self. But if, mm-hmm. you, if you spin that into terms of like your entire life, do, did you ever really become your true self? Like, or are you still hiding from it inside? And so reading this, this is why I've read my chapter so many times is it's, there's always something else in there. And it makes you think like, who am I really? We don't even really know. And then we're taking these layers off trying to get down. And once you're there, then you, the challenge starts of having to embrace this new person after 30, 40, 50 years, like this is the real me. And now I have to embrace it and accept it and, you know, move forward. Oh, that's, I feel so triggered by that, Kaylee. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, because it, it is difficult and diving into my personal Enneagram, especially from an eight, you know, you have eight tendencies is mm-hmm. what I would say is that it's, it is difficult to understand that the way that we tread through life, the way we think that we do is not the way that it is perceived. And once you are aware of it, once you know, you cannot unknow. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you know, it's, it just changes who you are on a very fundamental level. And it either is something that you completely embrace and you try your absolute best to become the most improved version of yourself as possible, or, you know, you just go in the opposite direction. Uh, We share a love of like great memes and I love memes about AIDS because they're so harsh, but it's, 
it is one of those things that is just like, there has to be an air of humor to it. And your Enneagram is not an excuse for extremely bad behavior either on the flip side of that, you know, like knowing you're just like, well, I'm an eight. That's what we do. We burn shit down. Sorry. Like build, you know, build it back up, but it is being just super aware as a human to do better. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Oh, I love this so much. I feel like we could do this for an hour, but we can't because we make (laughs) promises. So we'll end up here with, uh, what are you reading, watching? We know what you're reading, but uh, I'm still reading that book. Yes. The road back to you. The road back to you, um, which we'll link, but what about, uh, what are you watching and listening to right now? Um, I haven't spent much time in front of the TV. Um, so I'm not keeping up on anything current. Yeah. I've been so busy. You know, I just got back from visiting my family and, like all these end of season stuff for my clients. So I did pull up Bravo Summer House and I've been watch- like binging on that at night before bed because I did- haven't watched any of it and I've just binged like all the seasons. I have a little bit of a reality show, like <laughs> guilty pleasure, depending on the show. I don't like all of them, but I like this one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, listening to, I'm a big podcast audiobook junkie. So I'm actually listening to Profit First. So that I got through half that book um, on my drive back home. And then obviously crime junkie is my other go-to podcast that I always listen to every week. I just love her. I love crime junkie so Mm. much. I've not, I'll check out that book by the way. I've not read that yet, but crime junkie is, I mean, how could you not love that? Yeah. Yeah. And the audio book of profit first, he does a really good job of, he reads the book himself but he injects mm-hmm. his own stories and stuff. So it's a little bit easier to listen to than just a straight through like audiobook. So. And so if people want to check out your podcast, where can we find that? What's it called again? Spicy Margaritas. Mm-hmm. And it's on iTunes, Spotify, and all the places that you can download podcasts from. Um, we are about to wrap up season two. So we do 10 episode seasons. And we do actually, we were going to have two episodes at the end of this season on the Enneagram where we talk about all the numbers, um, our experiences with it, how we relate, because my co-host Brittany is four wing five. And then we have a third girl that we bring in occasionally with us. And she's a seven, I think seven wing eight, but I'm not for sure. But yeah, so we kind of have this, you know, spectrum of people that of all different numbers that we can talk about our experiences. So, so those should be interesting. That's so cool. We have every number on our team except for four. Wow. Isn't that the craziest thing? It's so interesting that we're an agency that doesn't have a four. Don't you think? Yeah. (laughs) Because four should be right up in there. That's that's where they thrive. We feel like the four is our key. We're Mm -hmm. fine. We're looking, we're looking for our four so actively. So. Well, I hope you find it. You can round out your Enneagram team. (laughs) <laughs> me too. Me too. Well, uh, Kaylee, you're a delight. I can't wait till we start our kick-ass golf team. I'm so excited about that. Yes, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today and uh, giving us your time. Of course. My pleasure. And if you're still listening, which you should be, because if not, you're missing a ton of great shit, uh, like, comment, and share. You can also email us, hello at francisroy.com. This completely wraps up our series on Enneagram in the workplace. I cannot imagine this will be the end for us, but maybe we'll do a whole series on the instinctual subtypes. Who knows? But next week, we'll have something new for you. So stay tuned. Talk to you then. Mm -hmm.